Happy old year. Happy old year. Tomorrow will be happy new year. We're going to close out the old year in Psalms 138. Psalms 138. Um, I was reading this week through, there are five psalms that I've never preached through or in. Five psalms. And I was reading through this one that I'd never preached in before this week. And I have a message prepared for today. But I wasn't comfortable. If you, you may understand that, you may, not, you may not get it. If you're a preacher, you get it. I wasn't comfortable. And uh, I was reading through that psalm. And man, it just melted together with my spirit, and I'm with it, on it. And so I felt led to preach Psalms 138 today, the last Sunday of the old year. But we're looking forward to 24, I hope. Are you? Looking forward to it? Listen, uh, let's not get down in the dauber, you know, Sometimes I, I look at my Christian friends my age, and as Jed Clement used to say, they're, they're lower than a hog's jaw on market day. Uh, I want to encourage us. The fact that we believe that Jesus is coming again is an encouraging truth. And he is, he is Lord of all things between now and then. And we're victors. I read the back of the book, and we win. We have everything to be encouraged about. And we got a new year coming. It's been a good year for me. I've, I've had a lot worse years than 23. Anybody agree with me? I've had, I've had some tough years. I know we don't know what 24 is going to lead to, but we know that God is good. And God is good to us. And that's the main thing. So let's, uh, my, 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 my thought behind preaching through all the Psalms is, I'm to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, right? And so all of the word is good. And if, if the preacher can land on the right place on a certain day, that's even better, right? So I believe I've landed in that right place. And uh, you can always be everything you're supposed to be. But I think I'm where I need to be. Now let's look at it. I titled it, Let's Praise the Lord. Let's, let us praise the Lord. The psalmist begins, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. God is good. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt re revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the, the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. 
the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. I love that part, Lord's mercy endures forever. God's mercy always, always amazes me with what he allows and forgives. And, and he's not, God is not OCD. Any OCDers out there? We need to form a club. He's not OCD. Calm. Never gets, never gets beyond. It. When he's in wrath, it's, it's, it's directed. It's purposed. God is always in charge, not only of the world, but himself. Thank God he is. That was an argument in early Christian history of, about uh, the, the ability to appease God and that our God is an appeased God and the gods of the, uh, the, gods of the heathen are just shifty and never dependable, never responsible for you don't know what they're going to do next. But our God is at peace. Now this is the first psalm of the last group. The first psalm of the last group that's a credit to, to King David. David wrote a lot of psalms. This song was brought into the songbook most likely by Hezekiah. Hezekiah was an editor of songs and I, 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 he, he, he was probably one that had a lot to do with the formulation of the book of Psalms. And let me remind all of us that God chose men to be the pens that wrote down the word, but the Holy Spirit is the author of the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the author. We, if someone says, oh, Paul is the author of the book of Galatians, they just probably made a mistake on terms, right? Because the Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. Amen. So that's just something I want to remind you of. Now, as I said, Hezekiah added this to the book of Psalms, and it's been labeled by some of the commentaries as the private prayer group. These psalms are a part of private prayer and praise groups. So the song expresses the psalmist's confidence in God, and we need to be confident in God. We need to know and trust him. We need, I, I say that sometimes you need to turn the television off. Turn it off. Stop listening if you're frantic. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've dealt with Christians in the last few years. that I've wanted to say, calm down. God is in charge. And I want to say maybe going into 2024, maybe... That's the message that I need to present to you today is the fact that we can have confidence in the Lord, in His redeeming grace, in, His, in the fact that He is involved in the affairs of mankind. And His redeeming grace is always there when you're in trouble. God is good. Our hearts need to be inspired to praise God, and that's what the psalmist is doing here. And verse 1 and 2, he's inspiring us to praise God. We see what the psalm will do, verse 1 to 3. We see who will join him in praise, verse 4 and 5. And then 
we see the why of the praise in verse 6 to 8. And then we see uh, the, the conclusion of that, that his love, his patience endures, and he'll not forsake us. God will never forsake us. Now, first of all, the vow to praise God. It's a resolve. He, he doesn't say who it's to in verse 1, but we know it, who it's to. It's to the Lord. He says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee with his whole heart, unashamed. That's what that means. I, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to be restrained. I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to praise you with my whole heart. Now, praise is a vital part of our life as a Christian. The world needs to see us praise God. We, we don't need to hide in a church house and praise God. <coughs> we need to praise God before uh, those that might think it to be unpopular to praise God. We need to praise God before the heathen. We need not be upset with the, the heathen, with the atheists. Our God is God, and, and that's why the psalmist can praise him. It's so, so important that we would separate ourselves from the world, not so much by a debate, but by our act of praising God for who he is and for what he has done. Amen. So important that we separate ourselves from those that would mock, those that would curse, those that would deny God. Separate ourselves by being those that are known to be praisers of God. Verse 1, the latter part, he says, uh, Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. You know, sometimes it, it, it amazed me when I first started seeing these things in the Old Testament, how that there's an acknowledgement of, of these other gods. Has, has that caught your attention? You know, we know there's only one God, but in the heathen world, there's many gods. Uh, polytheism is, is prevalent, and, and it seems like it's growing in, in those that deny the truth of God's word. But he says, I will praise thee before the gods. Amen. In other words, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not, I'm not going to be threatened. We should not feel threatened. Right? Now verse 2 he says, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now, it, it, in the Old Testament, uh, the Jewish people, that when they were away from home and even when they were home, they would set up their praise and prayer towards the temple, towards Jerusalem. If you're in some other place in the world, they would always face Jerusalem to, to pray. They would pray towards, towards the temple. Well, should Christians pray towards Jerusalem? No, we pray towards New Jerusalem where Jesus is. Jesus is the center for us, isn't he? We're to face him, and that's pretty easy to do, you know. You can face him pretty easy. Now, I know geographically it, it seems that heaven is to the north, uh, but we don't even have to do that. We can just praise the Lord from any direction, for he's forever present, everywhere present. And, and that's who we worship. I think of Daniel, though. Remember Daniel? How many remember when Daniel was in Babylon? He would, he would go to his window, 
he was in a hostile society. <coughs> he would go to his window and he was not ashamed. And uh, remember, he was promoted to president, one of the three regional directors of, of Babylon. My, this guy, <coughs> this guy was a believer that stood among the heathen. Now we, you know, in our day and time, we we want to warn anyone that if you want to run for politics, you better be careful because of the danger of just losing your morality and losing who you are because you're bought and paid for if you're not careful, right? But Daniel, he withstood all of that, and the key to him withstanding all of that is because he lived his faith boldly out in front of everyone. He never hid it, it doesn't seem, as we read the, the stories. Turn there to chapter 6 and get ready. I'm going to look at some of it. But Daniel maintained his integrity because when they told him and uh, when he heard of that they had a new law that no one should petition any god or anything for 30 days, put a 30-day month on, on praise, or praying to God or asking any petition of anyone, when, Dave, when uh, Daniel heard of that, he didn't change anything. Isn't that a good statement for us as Christians? When Daniel heard that, that you shouldn't do that, he didn't go out and protest. He never even went to the king. He just kept doing what he always did because he understood this. It's better to obey God than man. And so we see how verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, And then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the laws of his God. The heathen are very smart, very tactful, very tactical. They're going after Daniel in his relationship with God. And you listen to me. In these last days, we've watched wokeism. And some of you don't even know what that means, and I hope you never discover. <laughs> but we've watched wokeism put a spotlight on Christian beliefs and want to attack and call us the bad people because of our beliefs. Well, that's what they did to Daniel. It's no new game, is it? Same old game. And so verse 6, it says, uh, verse 5, rather, uh, they looked for an occasion for, to, to really accuse Daniel, and they knew they couldn't find it except that we find something against him concerning the law of his God. So they made the rule. You're not supposed to petition any other God or any God besides Nebuchadnezzar. Oh, that flattered the king, didn't it? He's a pagan. He's flattered by it. He, he just thinks, oh, man, I must be great. You know, you know, be careful when you start believing the good things that people say about you. Because your husband or your wife knows the rest of the story. Now, verse 8, notice what happened. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign, and sign the writing, and it be not changed except, not except, but according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which alter not. Verse 9, wherefore King Darius signed the writing and the decree. So he signed it into law. He doesn't realize what he's doing to Daniel because he actually respected Daniel. 
How did Daniel have that respect? Because he praised God out loud and he wasn't ashamed of his praise and his prayer. He's at his window. You could find him in his prayer closet at his window. And some scholars say he probably built this prayer uh, chamber on top of his house. Now let's go ahead and read this, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Verse 11, these, uh, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Folks, he lived out loud. He lived in an unashamed fashion. He didn't hide his experience with God in the church house. He took it out with him. And friend, that is a problem. We've got to take our faith and live it out loud and let other people see the reality of what we, we believe. Now, I'm not saying, we're, and, and, and there's plenty of Scripture to teach us not to make a show of things, but we should not be ashamed of the things of God and surely not ashamed of our God. Now, I read the story this week of Michael Cassidy. How many read the story, heard the story of Michael Cassidy? Any of you? Debbie heard it. She hears a lot of stuff she doesn't want to hear. <laughs> but he's the Navy vet. He's the Navy vet that went into the capital of uh, Iowa. It'd be Des Moines, right? I do know my capital. He went in there, and there he, he, he knew it was already erected. There was a, a statue of Satan there. Anybody know it now? Well, Michael Cassidy tore it down. He cleaned up the mess. He put everything back in order and disposed of the, of the satanic statue or whatever you might label it. He didn't ask anyone's permission. He did it in the morning when it wasn't a big crowd. He didn't do it to make a big scene, and he's been accused of doing that. He looked at it, though, and he, he, he said, it, I don't have a quote, but he looked at it, he said, I couldn't help myself. He said, I've served my country all of my life, all of my adult life. He looked at it, he said, I can't stand it, he destroyed it, cleaned up the mess, straightened everything out, and then he turned himself in. The authorities are dumbfounded, and wouldn't you know it? They said, we don't know what to do. And he said, well, you need to fill out some paperwork. And so they called him back in and filled out paperwork on him, and he could get a $2,500 fine and a year in jail. Maybe. Hadn't got anything yet. I think we ought to support the man. Can anybody say amen to that? Never been arrested to anything. Wasn't arrested for that. But this is the boldness that's going to be called for in the time in which we live in for Christianity to flourish in our nation. Hey, the, the enemies of God will stand up boldly. The haters stand up boldly. We that are the lovers of the soul of mankind, we need to be bold in our stand. We need not hide our, our light under a bushel. No, we need to let it shine. I'm not saying be an opportunist. And make a big scene to put on yourself and focus. And, and I don't, he says that he did not do it for that reason. But something had to be done. And the Navy vet did it. 
These are the things that are vitally important in a society that's losing its bearings and losing its way. There was a time that praising God was uh, understood, well-honored thing in a sense that the general public did it. Now there's a few, only a minority of people that want to attack things like this. I don't think for a minute that I believe the whole nation has gone away from God. I believe we have slipped away from God's truth in many ways, but the antagonists are a very small group. I don't know about how you can destroy a nation with a <coughs> small group, but I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't think it would take but two percent. Two percent. They say the revival in England was brought about a revival among two percent of the people of England through Wesley's revival, and the whole nation turned around. Now <coughs> he praised God publicly. He was confident. We need to strengthen our confidence. This kind of praise, though, this kind of act, this kind of commitment doesn't come from a half-hearted person or a divided heart kind of person. A person has to be totally devoted to their God to be this type of person that the psalmist is illustrating for. Notice verse 1, he said, I will. Verse 2, I will. Before the gods, I'll do it. Referring to the false gods, the heathen nations. And we, need, we need that type of faith that we take God serious. And we take the love of God that we have serious. I'm not trying to say, let's go out and make enemies. I'm not trying to say, make a big scene that focuses on yourself. But I'm going to pray for you when the, when the decision, the crunch time comes that you in your life will do the right thing. Not, a, not a, a, a mean thing, not a terrible thing, but the right thing. You notice in the book of Daniel, there's two illustrations of laws being passed where the faith was attacked. Neither Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, nor Daniel on those two occasions, never did they take up arms to fight. In both occasions, they were willing to die for their faith, and that impacted the heathen society in which they lived. God is serious, and I think it's time for God's people to realize the seriousness of where we are. Now look what Daniel praised God for. Let's get back to Scripture. That came from Scripture, but let's get back. He praised God for God's loving kindness. We need to resemble God. We need to be loving and kind. He, he praised God for God's tenderness. i got a reference in 2 Corinthians I want to read to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says this. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor that through his poverty we might become rich. That's the tender mercies of God towards all of us. Jesus gave of himself that we could be saved. Now the psalmist praised God for God's tender, loving kindness. 
We need to praise God for our salvation, for our Savior, for the fact that we are saved. We need to always praise God for what we have. Let's not live secretly. I'm not saying live gaudy, but we ought to not live secretly our faith. It needs to be a public life, right? But then he goes on to praise God for God's Word. God's Word. Now, God's creation is a great truth that we know that He created, and that praises God. Psalms 119 talks about that. But He put His Word above His creation. Notice verse 2 in our text. Notice it with me. He said, I will worship towards thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness. Notice, and for thy truth. Catch this. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Why is God's word more important than his name? Well, I'll use a quick one for you. You can pick this up pretty quick. You are. You are according to your word. If, if I can't depend on you to do what you say you're going to do, I don't have much respect for you naturally. I have to gender it up, right? Now, let's respect that person in spite of that. But if you are a person that keeps your word, if you are a person that can be depended upon, you are a person of character. Anybody got it? So listen, when you live this life, you be a person of integrity. God is really saying integrity is everything. That's why God is so great. That's why his name is great. Because his integrity is intact. He doesn't break his integrity. He doesn't do anything outside of his integrity. He does all things. So you have the chance to steal something at the store. Let me say it a different way. You have the opportunity not to write it down or to take advantage of the situation. If it's not honest, you don't do it. That's where the pedal hits the metal sometimes. So he praised God for God's loving kindness. He praised God for his character. He praised God for his word, but his word is his character. God places his word above his name. The Bible, see, is God's promise to us. God will always keep his promise. God never violates his promise. He's faithful to perform his promises Hey, if he promised you eternal life, you got it, buddy. You can count on it. God's word is a mirror of his nature. We can depend and trust God's word. And now we're getting ready to start a new year, and we have uh, uh, the Bible uh, paper out there where you can read your Bible and check it off and keep up and read your Bible in one year. Pick you one up on your way out. We need to be reading God's word. We need to be people of the word. Now, David had found God to be faithful. Look at verse 3. In the day when I cried, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. God gave him answers and God gave him strength. The times when David were, were in deep need, he said, God, you came through. You helped me. When, now, folks, we... we we don't always get the answer we want from God, do we? But we get the answers we need from God. God hardly ever answers our prayer by taking our problem away. 
Oh, God, take this problem away from me. Anybody getting those done very often? I'd say not. But here's what we get. My grace is sufficient. I will go with you through this. I will not let you go around this. Let me tell you what happens when we go around the problems that we, we have. We pray God help us get around it. And then the devil gives us a way around it and we go around it. Guess what? We only have it to face again pretty quick. Because there was some character that God want us, wanted us to learn going through it with his help. Listen, God could stop all those problems from happening to you anytime he wants to. But he wants you to learn. He wants you to grow. He wants you to develop character. And that's why we go through them. When trials come, we should pray. But we pray that it would end. That's natural. I do too. But the best thing is to pray that God would let us Learn. Take advantage of the problem and grow from it. Grow from it. You know, I, I, I used in my text last week, I would dare say none of you know my text last Sunday. And I won't put you on the spot because it will embarrass me. But it's Luke 9.62 where he said if you take up the plow and you look back, you're not what? You're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. And you know what the Christian life is all about? It's getting us fit. You know, you you got this thing you want to do and it doesn't open up for you? Well, maybe you're not fit yet. And so you need to work on getting fit. You know, the doctor that looks on me and, and takes care of my body, I hope that he went through all of school and I hope they didn't give him a way to make lower grades and get through school. I hope he'd done it all, done it all right, and got as much going for him. I want him to be fit. So as Christians, we need to realize that God is at work, allowing trials to come, allowing us to get caught. Oh, my, allowing us to get caught because he has, he has bigger dreams for us. He wants to get us fit for those bigger things. Now, next... We see the long-term effects of his work and of his of God's work in verse four and five. We're getting on. We're going on in in the text now, and he says, and and all the kings, verse four, and all the kings of the earth. Did you get the word all? You know what the context of that is? All. All, right? There is no context that lessens that. All that means everyone. And the word kings can be any uh, leadership, any leader. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear thy words of thy mouth. People will say today, I don't hear God. That may be a good thing. Because all the world's going to hear him one of these days. He's going to call out in such a way that you can't deny his presence. Right now, you better get used to hearing that small, still voice. The prompting of the Holy Spirit to teach you that you need to give your life to Christ to be saved. If you're left here when we're all gone, oh my, you're going to hear the voice of God like you've never heard it before. You remember Solomon and his testimony? Remember the kings and the queens that would come to see 
what he had accomplished with the help of God, the strength of God. That should challenge us that our life should be a testimony for others to see what God can do. D.L. Moody made the statement when he was young. He said, I want to be the person that the world can see what God can do with one man totally committed to Jesus Christ. And by the way, the witnesses of Moody said that was a true statement at the end of his life. That's not what Moody said. At the end of Moody's life, he made, a, he, he made this announcement. He said, the world is yet to see what a man could do totally committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he admitting? He's admitting his failures. That's the key to greatness. Being honest about that you're not the greatest thing to ever hit the world. But the truth is we need to be the best that we can be for the glory of God. Now, that's just in there for us to get. Our testimony, our life should be a reflection of Jesus for others to see Christ in us, to bring attention and glory to Christ, not to us. But the point is, even if we don't see that, even if Daniel would have stood for God and died, even if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have burned up in that fire, it doesn't change the truth of God, that he is God. And we are looking for a brighter day. And by the way, God has not often delivered his people from the torments of this world. But we look and we point to a bright day when the rulers, the presidents, the kings, and the governors of all this world one day will acknowledge the greatness of God and will give praise to the greatness of God. You say, preacher, what about them people in hell? Yes, they're going to give acknowledgement. They're going to be at the great white throne judgment. They're going to be raised from the dead raised from hell to stand before God at the great white throne judgment, and they're going to give honor and glory to the one that sits on that throne. Ooh. Folks, I read the back of the book, and we win. Now, Psalmist says there's going to be a day when all the kings are going to bow down. You know, Paul stood up before the magistrates and the kings and he even desired, listen, this man was fearful of nothing but God. And old Paul, what a testimony he is. He, he worked so hard to stay in prison. He worked overtime to stay in trouble with, with, with uh, I'll start to say Pharaoh, but with Caesar. He stayed, he said, no, I don't want this way. People would come from the other side of the aisle and say, hey, listen, man, we'll get you out of this. And why they said it? Because they had a weak case. They had a weak case against him and say, hey, and they wanted to put it on him like we're giving you a way out. And, and they'd say, we'll get you out of this. All you got to do is do this and you'll get out. Paul said, no, I'm not going to do that. He's not going to compromise. He's not going to compromise, Paul wasn't. He said, no, I'm, letting, no, I'm not letting you. He was wise too. He said, I'm not letting you out of this. He's in prison. They're out, and he's in charge. And so he's in prison. He's not worried about the will of God. 
Oh, I wish I could be out of prison so I could run up and down the, uh, the, the, the ocean and the river and the highways of the Roman Empire to tell people about Christ, the gospel of Christ. He said, no, I can just do it here from jail. And you know what? He was hard to keep locked up. Remember the Philippian jailer had him locked up and the earthquake came and he got loose. And then he was on his way to Rome and the shipwreck was there and, and uh, 200 men on the ship and the ship sinking in the ocean. And what does Paul do? He organizes the situation and, and the end of it said, we didn't lose a man. I mean, anybody else would say, you old bu buzzard drowned before I can be free. No, he said, I'm going to go to Rome. Look at his ambition. I want to go to Rome and I want the Roman government to pay my way and to feed me all the way there. Now, the provisions weren't probably what you and I would like. The, 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 the dungeons and such were wet, damp, and there was no pillow. But he got to Rome. And Paul wrote in one of his letters. He wrote to the Christian believers outside of prison. He wrote them. He said, those of Caesar's house are coming to the gospel. He was in charge the whole time. What a way of looking at life that we need to adapt. I must admit, my view of life is how I can get on top of things how I can manage this well, and how I can be comfortable. It doesn't seem Paul had that vision at all. How can I do the will of God? How can I accomplish the greatest things for the glory of God? But after all this, Paul was beheaded. And they had to stop him. They had to say, we're in charge. So he was beheaded. And I'll tell you, I just believe he was excited. Could I say that? To be able to die for the glory of Christ. Then I think of the Lord Jesus who went to the cross. But thank God he arose again. And he walked on the earth for, 30, for 40 days. Then he ascended to heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's coming again. And you know, I tell you what, Paul and all the other saints of God are rejoicing, looking forward to the day when Christ will come again. And I read what Paul said before he even went through death, but Christ had already died. He said this in Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. He said, Preacher, why do you begin in verse 8? Because I can never get through 5, 6, and 7 without hesitation. I got to go over and over it. Maybe I'll get through quicker, beginning with verse 8. And Paul said, being found in fashion as a man, talking of Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
because of that humiliation of the death on the cross, Christ earned the right to sit on the throne and be the ruler of the world. And all the kings of the earth will bow down before him and give him honor and give him praise. And we anticipate that coming event and we look forward to that event when Christ will come and every knee should bow. Now I'm going to stop here and, and close with this. If you notice in that Philippians reference, the word shall is not included. The word shall is not included until we get to the end of the book where the end of the book says that every knee shall bow. But you know what? Paul is given an invitation with that should. Because the fact is, folks, you don't have to bow your knee to Christ. You can stand up and live bold for or against God. But every knee should bow because of what Christ has done. We look forward to that event. When the Lord's judgment comes and His loving kindness and His goodness towards the people that believe will be expressed completely. And as I said in the back of the book, we win. God is working on you and me right now, getting us ready for that. You know, I don't know how long it's going to take. You know, if I get to live to be 80 or 90 years old, it would be because it took God that long to get me straightened out. If I got what I deserved, I'd been gone a long time. But Jesus is Lord. He's God. He, he deserves our worship. He deserves our testimony. He deserves our honor. Let us start the new year off with a will to honor him. I read Annie Grace Flint's poem that went to song. I'll read that as my close. He, speaking of God, gives more grace when burdens grow greater. He sends more strength when labor increases. To added uh, affliction, he adds mercy. To multiplied trials, he multiplies peace. His love has no limit. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundaries. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he gives, he gives, he gives, and he gives again. That's a God that we're praising. That's a God that we're praying to. Let us get bold and open our windows for the world to see our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us live out loud so the world can see a Christian that's doing their best to be that totally dedicated person to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us bow our heads. Quietly stand to our feet as our musicians come to play. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for each one that's here. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we ask you. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you speak to the hearts of your people today. And I pray, Lord, that there would be some serious thought about living our faith stronger. Not gaudy, but stronger. Not offensive but stronger.
Lord, I pray that you would speak to the souls of those who are not saved. I pray, Lord, that someone that does not know Jesus would be saved today. Bless this invitation, Lord, as we bow before you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing that out now. Anyone need to come? Just as I am without one plea. I'm glad you're here today, and I'm glad I got to preach. And 